if anyone who is like, I don't know how to um, help my community fight climate change, the first thing that I would say is to pick up the phone and call your neighbor. Start building those relationships one at a time. Welcome, neighbors, to Hometown Earth, the podcast that brings a down-to-earth approach to all of your sustainability questions. I'm your host, Lena Sanford, here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Here, we believe that everyone can change the world. Do you believe? I'm a Midwest gal with big dreams to discover what it takes to reduce my impact on this beautiful place we call Hometown Earth. Join me every Tuesday as we navigate what actions we can take, big or small, to make a positive impact in your life and the lives of your neighbors on Hometown Earth. Hello, neighbors. I have a special treat for y'all today. We've heard of them. We love them. And today we're going to get to talk to a member of their comms team, Neha Desaraju of the Sunrise Movement. And if you haven't heard of the Sunrise Movement, they are a fast-growing youth movement to stop climate change and create millions of good jobs in the process. They are literally building an army of young people to make climate change an urgent priority across America, working to end the corrupting influence of fossil fuel executives on our politics and elect leaders who stand up for the health and well-being of all people. They support the Green New Deal which is a congressional resolution that mobilizes every aspect of American society to 100% clean and renewable energy. It also guarantees living wage jobs for anyone who needs one and a just transition for both workers and frontline communities. All of this within the next 10 years. They are doing big things with a lot of heart, and it is so powerful to witness. Today, you'll hear from Neha, an incoming college freshman and decentralized press and social media coordinator at Sunrise Movement. She's sometimes a coder, usually a writer, and always an organizer. As a journalist, she seeks to tell and celebrate the stories of her community in North Texas and finds that storytelling is central to organizing. She believes that climate justice isn't restricted to the environment, but lies at the intersection of social justice. Neha shares her story with us, and we chat about how the work she is doing with the Sunrise Movement is helping to build a community that takes care of each other while demanding climate justice through nonviolent action. She also shares with us how you can get involved no matter what age you are. I found her to be an absolute joy, and I know that you will too. So without further ado, let's hear from Neha. Okay, well, Neha, thank you so much for joining us on Hometown Earth today. Um, If you don't mind just telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do for the Sunrise Movement. Yeah, of course. Hi, I'm Neha. Um, I am a, I just graduated from high school um, and I'm about to be a freshman in college in the fall. Um, And currently I am the decentralized uh, press and social media coordinator at Sunrise Movement. Um, So basically what I do is I help support our movement of almost 20,000 now, I think, with um, press and social media. So for actions that we do, we do coordinated um, national actions, and we also do a lot of decentralized um, actions across the nation. Um, I help coordinate uh, press and social media for that. I conduct trainings. I do um, a lot of support um, within comms 
Um, and I, I love doing it. I get to tell stories. I get to hear stories of other people in the movement and I get to train people on how to tell, uh, the best stories they can for the movement. Awesome. So see, speaking of stories, what story do you try to tell, um, whenever you're creating, uh, work on behalf of the sunrise movement? Yeah. Um, I tell a lot of different stories, but, um, I usually like to focus just for me personally, I like to focus on my family. So my family is a family of immigrants and, um, I'm really surrounded by that fact every day. Um, and, um, in my hometown right now, um, in India, uh, there's a lot of the monsoon seasons have been getting worse and worse. Um, in the last several years, um, you've been seeing entire cities, um, flooded and, um, basically destroyed because of uh, the monsoon seasons that have been getting worse and worse, especially in the coastal towns where my um, dad's family is from. Um, so it's a really terrifying fact to live with every day. And I think that's one thing that um, I think really speaks to a lot of people here in the U.S. too, is either they have family in other places in the world that are um, a large source of climate refugees, um, or even here in the U.S., especially if you live in Florida or um, in a lot of coastal cities, um, you're seeing a lot of um, especially black and brown people um, faced with the fact that um, in the next few years, entire towns could be just flooded and destroyed um, and people become climate refugees basically in their own country. Yeah. Wow. I feel like that that type of job telling story, your story and hearing other stories would be a little bit difficult. How long have you been in this movement and in your role there working to hear all this stuff? <laughs> How do you stay positive on top of all of that too? Yeah. Um, I've been working with uh, Sunrise Movement for almost a year now. Um, so that's given me like a lot of time to really hear a lot of stories. Um, but yeah, I definitely agree. It's it's really hard to stay positive through all of that. Um, I was also balancing work with school, and um, you know, during the COVID nineteen pandemic, um, I definitely felt like um, there were times where I felt like that acute sense of just loss or um, like lack of motivation. But I think the key is surrounding yourself with people who can support you through that and who are fighting for the same things that you are, because it's been so inspiring and so motivating to see people who are my age, um, who are faced with the same difficulties as I am, um, really keep fighting for the same thing. And um, I think that's one thing that Sunrise offers and does really well is that sense of community um, in the face of climate anxiety. So um, really turning that climate anxiety into a source of climate anger and climate hope. Yeah. So I just feel like that people's stories are so different. And like you said, they are kind of the same and everybody's fighting for the same thing at the sunrise movement. So just give us a little recap kind of of what you think everyone at the sunrise movement is fighting for. Uh, so sunrise movement was started in um, late 2016, early 2017 as essentially um, an offshoot from the divest movement. And um, it wasn't until 2018 that we really started fighting for the Green New Deal, um, which is a framework that is currently 14 pages. So I encourage everyone to read it. It's a very easy read. It was introduced um, into Congress um, by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Ed Markey in 2018, um, basically as a framework modeled after the um, FDR's New Deal framework. Um, and it basically just talks about how in the next uh, 10 years we can achieve um, uh sustainability in the United States while also investing the most in the communities that um, feel the effects of climate change the most. I think that's really the biggest difference um, between climate advocacy and sustainability um, and really investing in those communities that feel the effects of climate change um, 
the worst. Just like I said, you know, um, people um, who it's predominantly black and brown communities um, and people of color and people with disabilities and low income people who are feeling uh, feeling those effects um, even right now. So that's really that's really what we're fighting for is um, not just the Green New Deal, but beyond that, we're fighting for liberation um, for the people who are currently disenfranchised and who have to face the very real realities of climate change right now versus the very wealthy, the ultra wealthy who um, are not currently feeling the effects of climate change. And uh, we're trying to um, convert that into a place where we can uh, where we can drive sustainability and carbon neutrality and um, energy efficiency in the United States um, and help bring those uh, communities um up and really invest in them. So this is a youth-led movement. Like you said, you just graduated high school. Um, you're going into college. So can you kind of speak to the importance of this being a youth-led movement and kind of the power that you've seen in working with the Sunrise Movement and other youth activists for the past year? Yeah, I think one of the things is just going back to what I said about finding a support group is that being a youth-led community, um, you are surrounded with people who um, think similarly as you and can also challenge you and teach you new things. So I think that's been really one, a big power of the movement, um, just as a community in itself. But the other power of the youth movement is that you find that we're very flexible and um, we can get things done. Um, And I think youth... um, just have a different way of looking at things. Every every challenge is a new opportunity. I feel like, and um, us being a youth led movement, we've helped. We've had a lot of power in that. Um, also, it just goes without saying that youth feel the effects of climate change a lot more uh, than adults do. We're faced with you know the rest of our lives, but impending climate disaster within the next five to ten years, um, and that's a difficult challenge to face. So, um, our our goal is to agitate youth mainly, um, and to and to recruit youth into our mass movement. So whenever you're working uh, to try to deliver these messages and trainings, you're speaking to youth, um, but also y'all are talking to politicians directly in a lot of like social media stuff that you do or videos that you do, you know, the end might be if you're listening, you know, anybody that's running for office, anybody that's currently in office. So kind of how do you bridge that gap between being a youth led movement and then also, you know, trying to speak to politicians? And then do you also talk to other adults? Like, do you hope that your message reaches them as well? No, we definitely hope that um, our message reaches the politicians as well. Actually, uh, just now um, on Monday, June 28th, we uh, sunrise leaders gathered in DC um, to protest in front of the White House. We shut down the White House. We loved it. Yeah, we definitely um, our 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 protests. Um, our our target um, is usually politicians, but it can be anyone. Um, we are trying to agitate politicians also into doing the right thing. You know, currently we're seeing that our infrastructure bill does not have uh, climate as a priority as was promised. Um, so we're pretty angry about that um, because that's really the thing that's going to define what our priorities are in the next two years. And if we don't get um, spending on climate sustainability and on action for climate change, we're really going to start seeing um, a lot more like um, the fires that we're seeing right now, um, the yeah. heat waves that we're seeing right now. Um, you know, people um, are dying even in Oregon due to the heat. So it's a very um, it's a very real thing that we're facing and politicians aren't doing anything. And that's what we're angry about. And that's really, um, it's really frustrating to see that, but politicians as the people in power who have 
uh, the ability to spend money um, on climate change and have the ability to change what our priorities are as a nation. Um, the fact that even even politicians who promised that they were going to that they were going to make climate change uh, action against climate change a priority aren't doing anything. And um, so we definitely hope that our message reaches adults who can, who have the power to change national priorities. Yeah, I feel like I've seen de- definite similarities between the past and now the present um, as far as even politicians supporting something and then turning around and doing something different. Um, so the Sunrise Movement kind of calls themselves a climate revolution. How do you see um, the Sunrise Movement different than other organizations or revolutions that have happened in the past? Yeah, I think definitely Sunrise Movement, yes, we're a mass movement. Our goal is to um, recruit as many young people as we can um, in order to make sure that they're everywhere and that we're able to mobilize as quickly as possible in in the face of in, uh, climate change, essentially. And, and we're able to reach the most amount of people um, who can and make the changes possible. And one of those things is that we're ready to fight whenever, whenever we need to. That also means that we don't back down, that we don't compromise. Um, and that most importantly, we stick to our values. I think one of the things that, um, I've seen in the climate movement space, um, or just in the climate advocacy space, um, especially in the past few years is that, um, a lot of the messages are focused on, um, you know, scientists and, um, what can you do, um, in uh, what can you do to change your sustainability habits or something like that, mm-hmm. um, which is all fine. But I also don't think that it reaches American people. And the stories that Sunrise tries to tell um, are the ones that are reaching normal Americans, um, many of whom are facing climate change very, uh, very difficultly. <laughs> and I think that's one of the things that really sets Sunrise Movement apart. And we're really not afraid to tell a politician exactly what we need to to get done. Um, and we did this with, we did this with Ed Markey, um, during his campaign when we helped him, uh, take back, uh, or keep his Senate seat, um, in the face of, you know, a massively funded democratic operation to get him out. And we did that through the power of young people and through the power of, uh, digital media and through the power of never, never stepping down. And what that caused was right after Ed Markey won, by, you know, almost by a landslide. Yeah. What happened was Chuck Schumer called and he realized that, that wait, these young people actually have the power to change who's in Congress. That's really powerful. And that's terrifying for a politician. <laughs> yeah. Um, if they're like, oh, wait, so if I don't support them, they actually have the power to kick me out, which is yeah. very real and a very terrifying po- possibility for them. Uh, so Chuck Schumer called and he was like, hey, like, how can I support the Thrive Agenda, which is what we were supporting at the time um, to as like one of the ways that we can um, support economic recovery after the pandemic. I think I saw something that said um, in one of the videos for the Sunrise Movement that you only need about 3.5% of the population to get involved with nonviolent action um, to be successful. And I feel like that through student social media and what you're doing, you can reach easily like that many people. So what have you seen as far as the social media side of things? Um, do you feel like that that's drumming up a lot of quick action that kind of what sets y'all apart, I think as well is there it's so fast, like the growth has been so quick. So do you attribute that to social media and trying to reach that 11 million people in the United States and beyond or? Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, before social media, um, for a movement like ours, like a basically a mass movement um, through nonviolent action and through direct action protests, um, you needed a lot more people to get visible. Yeah. 
And, and on top of that, you needed the press basically to actually talk about what you're doing um, in the right, in the right framework um, with the right messaging. They control the narrative. Yeah, exactly. They did. Um, and in, in order to get your message in front of um, basically anyone. Yeah. Uh, so you needed a lot more people and you needed, um, basically it relied on like the press, um, and, and them telling your story correctly. Now that is not the case. Um, you do not need as many people to get an action visible. In fact, you only need a few there. Ha- we've had like viral actions that have had like seven people there and they've gone viral on social media. Wow. So that's like one of the main differences, um, is like, our visibility now is like 10 times that yeah. of what it would be um, if social media wasn't there. And on top of that, we can control the narrative that they're seeing. Um, so now journalists are like reporting on like what's going on on social media. They're hearing directly from us instead of basically building their own conclusions. And we're um, able to control the narrative and we're able to tell the stories that we want to tell directly to the people that we want to tell it to, um, especially since young people are in social media. That's like our demographic. And um, we're, we're really seeing that social media is now the driver of narrative rather than press, especially for young people. So the message for the Sunrise Movement is very clear and it is very direct, um, but it is a large movement. So how how do you kind of put that into a clear, direct message to get across on social media um, to people who might see it just once as they're scrolling? Um, and I guess, how do you take that even further off of social media into real action? Yeah, that's definitely um, that's definitely difficult. And that's something that Sunrise Movement has been grappling with as we grow like really fast and uh, we we bring in more people. That's also, you know, Sunrise was built like as a small, like quick, agile movement. And now we're like growing into a really big movement where that's a lot harder to do, Yeah, um, which is like, it's great that we're a bigger movement, but also um, that's required us to like tweak the language that we use to um, adjust the ways that we organize um, and do a lot more structure-based organizing. So a lot more messaging is now like long-term focused and it's a lot less like quick and like snappy. And now that we're like looking more long-term, like, okay, what role does Sunrise Movement have um, in the broader climate narrative? And what role does Sunrise Movement have in the next two years, um, even as we we approach the midterms? That's really been something that uh, Sunrise has been uh, forced to deal with and just sort of figure out how to, how to bridge that gap between like a really quick movement that is, that was built on like lasting like four years yeah. <laughs> in the Trump era. It was really built on just lasting uh, those four years. Um, evidently climate change is not really, it's gotten worse since then. So um, we've continued, but now we're in the process of like adjusting our language and, and, and like I'm bridging that gap between, okay, so we're going from like green new deal, green new deal to what can we do long-term um, and what can we do for our communities long-term? Um, what is mutual aid? Um, how are we supporting the communities that we, that we want to protect? And that sort of thing. Yeah, I feel like a lot of youth right now, even myself, I mean, I'm 28. um, So not I'm still in the like 20s kind of era with the Sunrise Movement, like I can get involved. Um, But so I just feel like that a lot of people have trouble looking that far into the future whenever climate change is so pressing. So that is kind of a hard thing to deal with is like looking into a future that scientists are saying might not exist for a lot of people. So kind of how do you how do you deal with that? <laughs> That's the best way I know how to say it is like, I mean, how do you deal with trying to plan for the future whenever 
you're not sure that it's going to be there for a lot of these people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things is is protecting our communities. Uh, That's been something that we're focusing a lot more, especially during the pandemic. You're seeing that a lot of people are really um, pivoting to protecting their communities um, first and foremost, yeah. especially since political action takes a very long time. Yeah. Um, as yeah, as you've probably noticed, um, you know, Sunrise Movement was started with the same goal basically back in 2017, um, meant to last four years. It's currently on the path to lasting longer. And uh, one thing that we've noticed is just that like any sort of political change takes a very long time and we don't have that time. Um, Unfortunately, it it does uh, because there's just a lot more interest involved. So one of the things that um, I think is really powerful as we as we get into these next five years of of climate change is we need to put in those systems right now, everyone, like regardless of whether or not you're in Sunrise Movement, um, every like the biggest thing you can do right now is to um, help organize your community um, or whatever communities you're in and make sure that the support systems are in place for everyone to be able to support each other. That is one thing that um, I saw during the freeze here in Texas. So I'm from Dallas, Texas. Um, during the freeze here in Texas back in February, the people who, the communities that really were able to pull each other through um, are is what's going to be the most powerful within the next five years. And um, we need to start organizing right now in our communities. Um, Sunrise Movement is a hub-based uh, sort of movement. So we have hubs within cities across the nation, also in some schools and colleges. So um, that's also a community you can organize in um, to make sure that your that your peers have the have the same support. And I think that's that's really the biggest way that we're going to be able to pull our communities through. And it's going to be a hard five to 10 years. But if we have any hope of seeing the other side, I think we really have to make sure that our friends, our family, our neighbors have that kind of support. And it doesn't take like an organizer. It doesn't take someone, it doesn't take like a communications director to do that, you know? Yeah. It takes it takes one person um, who is just really passionate about um, their neighbors and, and seeing them and helping them. Yeah. So when you're saying, say someone's listening to this and they're thinking, okay, I want to organize in my community. What does that even look like for them? Is organizing to you um, just trying to get out that message of climate action? Or what does that look like for anybody who says, okay, I want to take a step towards organizing in my own community? Yeah, definitely. So I think for Sunrise Movement and for a lot of um, for a lot of bigger like organizations and nonprofits, um, the goal is just awareness. Um, and for them, that's like organizing. Yeah. But I think that what so we're like currently pivoting to like a structure-based organizing style um and i think whenever you see that sort of organizing style it's a lot less on just like spreading awareness and more on building structures within your community so you're building a network i like to think of it as uh, the relationships that you hold that's your network that's your organizing network mm-hmm. um and I've, I've gotten to build these skills and really see that through sunrise movement um especially as i'm supporting a lot of different people across the country my organizing is the network that i hold with um with people and the relationships that i hold with them um so if you have um Say you have a good relationship with your neighbor. You meet them like every day or you meet them like every week. Perhaps you share groceries together. You like share that that sort of responsibility. That's organizing. You're organizing. And now whenever you whenever you grow that out, so maybe maybe you have a system 
on your whole street, um, where now, like if someone is in a bit of trouble, um, they're like, Hey, like I need monetary help. Um, you have a whole neighborhood to pitch in and help them. And you can make those one-on-one calls. You can just pick up the phone and be like, Hey, this person needs a bit of help. Do you have like $20 to spare? Or maybe you're organizing your apartment building. Um, and, um, uh, you're like the tenants in your, in your building and maybe, um, someone needs help or maybe someone's facing eviction. Now you can step in to help them. You can organize, you can organize people by just picking up the phone or texting someone saying, Hey, like this person needs help. Let's organize for them. And you're organizing something, yeah. even organizing like a neighborhood, like dinner party, like outside or like a picnic that's organizing people. Yeah. That's bringing your, that's bringing your community together. And that's, what's going to create those stronger bonds that are going to pull us through. Yeah. I have been on a call, like I guess it was an introductory or training type call for the Sunrise Movement, and I was really shocked at how many people that were older than me um, were on this call and getting involved, and uh, the way that it was structured was very, like, you know, instead of talking at at someone, uh, the people involved in this call broke out into different groups, and so it's it kind of what you're saying can be can be held online as well. So if someone doesn't have a community or feel like they are a part of that community or could reach out, they can absolutely still get involved with the Sunrise Movement no matter what their age is and find those little pockets um, to, to have that conversation with other people and build that community. Is that kind of how y'all see people getting involved in the Sunrise Movement, not just youth? Yeah, definitely. I do see that a lot. Um, a lot of people who have like currently um, sort of like aged out of Sunrise Movement, um, they're like, yeah, yeah, just like 35 or like 33 or so or older, they still come back and they find that community and like we welcome them and they're like, they serve as like mentors and they play like a really great role in, in our community. Yeah. Um, so I feel like a lot of different people can find that here. Um, but I think that's that's one of the things that brings people in is is making that welcoming space for them. I remember my first, um, the first sunrise call that I went to, it was sort of at like the beginning of the pandemic and I had known like sunrise existed and I knew like what their messaging was. And cause I had done like climate organizing before that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, I had just wanted to get involved with sunrise movement, just like in my hub, um, in Dallas. And <laughs> it was like one of their meetings and at like, like towards the middle or so they're like, yeah. So like, we haven't seen each other in a long time. Like let's sing. Yeah, that's like a really big part of Sunrise culture and of building that community is we have a lot of songs that we sing. Um, And so you'll see like if you go to our actions and stuff, um, people are singing um, and it's it's really powerful. It's actually um, I really vibe with that just because um, for my family and the way that we grew up. A song and music was a way that brought us together. Yeah. Um, and in my culture, it's it's like that's that's one thing that can bring like a whole that can bring like hundreds of people together. Yeah. Like you can you see that just like just like art and culture. So I I definitely vibed with that, and I see that um, and I see that like every day. Yeah. Um, you know that song is able to um, is able to bring us together. Uh, I mean, don't worry, <laughs> we don't sing on like every call. <laughs> um, it's more of just like a community building exercise that like. Uh, people are able to do. So I think that's, that's something that's really unique about Sunrise Movement. Yeah. I feel like that if they asked you to sing, they'd be mute me, just be like, okay, (laughs) that voice gotta go. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's a, I just feel like, yeah, bringing it back to kind of, I feel like that anyone can follow even Sunrise Movement on social media and learn a lot, whether you're in the calls or not. Um, The point to me is, is like, as I'm 
almost aging out of, of this era of, you know, generation essentially that's working towards this climate action in the sunrise movement. Like I could still learn a lot from people who are younger than me. And I think that that is really valuable for what you're doing as well as because you're trying to build not only a army of youth, but also to educate everyone else. So first of all, that's a, I just want to say thank you for the work that you're mm-hmm. doing because I really appreciate yeah, no it. Worries. And um, speaking of like generations, I know um, one of the recent campaigns uh, that y'all did was walking 600 miles. Um, and that was the Generation on Fire campaign. Can you speak to that a little bit? Um, I, I love the fact that it was called Generation on Fire because I feel like that that generation has been seeing a lot more of literally the earth on fire and as well as like that is driving the internal fire within a lot of people. So if you want to just speak to that a little bit since it's fresh on people's minds, I'd, I'd love to hear more. Yeah, definitely. I think that was one of the more powerful um, actions that we've done. And I, I think the organizers who pulled that together um, were really powerful. So far, we've done three treks across the country. Uh, the first one was in uh, was in the Gulf South. So we marched from, I actually didn't march. Unfortunately, <laughs> I didn't get to, but I had a lot of friends who did, um, uh, who marched uh, from New Orleans to uh, Houston, Texas. Um, and so that was, that was 400 miles, I believe. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that was really powerful. I think it lasted about a month and a half. Um, and there were actions along the way. They spoke to community leaders and it was really powerful, especially since the organizers that were there had ties to the places that they were marching in. Um, and just to be able to see that and tell those stories of those communities, um, and being on the ground is just a really powerful thing to see. And you don't see that anymore. You don't see that from politicians. You don't see that from the people who claim to care about those communities. Um, you like, and just to see that from like a regular person, a regular organizer who is, who just really cares for their community to actually march through that, through there and to talk to community leaders, um, is super powerful, I think. And yeah, we actually had an organizer from there. Her name is Shante Davis. Um, who grew up from, who grew up in New Orleans and, um, who, and who also moved to Houston. She's experienced two hurricanes. Um, she experienced, um, the hurricanes in, in New Orleans and in, in Houston, um, Hurricane Harvey. Um, and so just to be able to do that march, um, for her, I think was, it was, it was very powerful. And that's a very powerful story to tell because I know that there are very, there are a lot of people who are facing those same things every day. Yeah. And yeah, so our second, our second track was, um, in California. Um, it was, uh, 299 miles, I believe. And it was from paradise, uh, California to San Francisco, California. So, uh, they ended with an action on the golden gate, um, bridge, um, which was very iconic. Um, so, yeah. uh, that was that one. And then same thing, speaking to community leaders along the way, um, especially in California where it's very relevant right now, even with all the fires that are happening and the heat waves, um, it's, it's a very difficult, uh, difficult thing to experience. So the organizers in California were able to pull that through. And then our third one um, ended in DC and started in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. It was around 166 miles or something. Um, and um, it ended with the DC action on Monday. So, yeah. Well, so those are some pretty big organized, like that's a lot of organizing. Um, and I feel like that to me, that's like a really big, powerful thing. So what can we expect to see next from the sunrise movement? Um, Because I feel like it can only get bigger. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely more treks, hopefully. Uh, we've seen a lot of positive response from them. And I think they're a way to show, uh, to tell stories differently, um, which is something that I'm always looking for. Uh, looking for is just like, what are the best ways that we can tell the stories of our communities? And to just like walk through them is like a great way to do that. Yeah. Um, so definitely that. And a lot more structure-based organizing where we're building those networks within our cities. So we have organizers in a lot of cities in the U.S. Um, who are currently building out those structures um, within their communities to uh, such as mutual aid structures um, and, and just organizing their communities within their hubs. It's been really powerful and supporting people through the pandemic and the climate disasters that we've seen. Um, so I know here in Texas, uh, something that, that happened during the freeze was that like all the Texas hubs came together and were able to support each other and build support. We raised, um, oh, I can't remember right now. It might've been like a couple thousand dollars from the community um, for, um, for you know, climate relief. So wow. um, I think that was really powerful and just something that you're definitely going to see more of is just yeah. That mutual aid and like, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. just um, kind of banding together and realizing that community is, is what we need uh, to get through mm-hmm. all of this. Yeah, uh, definitely. So, so how do you suggest people can help spread the Sunrise Movement's message, whether no matter what age they are, and then if they are in that um, age group, how do they get involved? Yeah. Um, the first thing that I would say is to contact your hub. Um, your local hub in your area, or if you don't try to contact the nearest one, a lot of hubs are like reaching a little bit outside of their city because everything's like online now. Um, so I think you'll find a lot of connections, um, within hubs that are even just like the closest to you, even if you live in that city or not. Uh, so yeah, I think that's definitely the first thing that you should do. Um, and if you, even if you're older than, you know, the typical sunrise age, you can still contact your hub because they would be like more than glad to have like a mentor, um, who, uh, who has those, uh, those sorts of skills to be able to, um, who may have like community connections that they might not have, or who might have skills that they can, that they can teach, um, centers movement organizers. So definitely those are options. And the other thing that you can do is just be sharing that message everywhere, which is we're fighting for a green new deal. Um, and we're fighting for, um, action on climate change that invests in, that invest in disenfranchised communities who have been historically the most impacted by climate change and are currently the most impacted by climate change. And so whether that means, you know, publishing op-eds in your newspapers that um, politicians will see, or um, even as much as possible, uh, joining in on or supporting actions that hubs do, um, those are probably the most powerful things that, that you can do to support the message. Awesome. Well, I will make sure that I'll link everything in the show notes so that people can get involved if they would like to. Um, is there anything else kind of you want to share personally or about the Sunrise Movement um, with this audience? Um, yeah, definitely. So I know that this podcast is about like sustainability and I, I wanted to like talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, so like if anyone who is like, I don't know how to um, help my community fight climate change. The first thing that I would say is to pick up the phone and call your neighbor, start building those relationships one at a time, like one person. It it just starts with one person, like I said. And if you can call one person and build that relationship with one person and say, Hey, like we're facing climate disaster. We're facing a pandemic. We're facing, um, you know, the, you're facing like an unemployment spike, all of these disasters. Um, how can I help you? I want to make sure that um, we're building a community to support each other. Just saying like something like that is super powerful and makes a huge difference. It can be the difference between like eviction and non-eviction. It can mean the difference between like 
one day I get groceries um, and one day I don't. It, it can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. And I think that's one thing that I've also seen is just like that connection is super important. Um, and we've seen that in, in, in the pandemic and, he's, and even as the pandemic is sort of um, lessening now, like I think those those connections are going to stay. And that's one thing that the community, that the pandemic has done is that um, people have realized that like one connection is all it takes and you can do a lot with that. Um, And like the more of a community that you find, the better it's going to be. It's, it just takes one person to take that initiative, pick up the phone, call your neighbor, call your family members, um, call your friends, say, Hey, like I want to build a support system. Yeah. And I think, yeah. People are so much are so receptive to that. Like if you hear that from a person you know and from a person you trust, yes. like that makes a difference. You don't even have to talk about climate change. Yeah. Um, but like if you wanted to, definitely go for <laughs> it because people trust people trust their uh, their friends, their families, their neighbors. Right. Um, so whenever you're building that trust, um, it's not just about climate change anymore. It's about community and re- and community resilience. Yeah, I love this message because that's a. I mean, this podcast is about trying to see honestly everyone as your neighbor. And so the first step to do that is to literally <laughs> talk to your neighbor. I mean, that's um, it's it's hard concept for a lot of people to do. And I'm even doing that in my own neighborhood right now. So yeah. just slowly going and expanding my little network here um, in Columbia is like, is really powerful to me because I've never seen, I've never built a network like that before of people that I didn't know that are in different walks of life than I am. So yeah, and I think that's really one of the sad failures of American, you know, just capitalism and 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 this society is that like that was never ingrained. But if you like like it's it's so it's so foreign to like talk to your neighbor. Yeah. Um, whereas like in my culture and in a lot of cultures in the world, like that's normal. Like your your neighborhood becomes your family. Yeah. Um, you know, a whole village can like raise a child. Um and like you see that like back home and like even here, um, a lot of like um, like my family makes it a point to keep those connections with um, with people and in like the same community as we are, um, whether that's like an identity community or like literal neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I just like it was so weird to me to like not especially when I started like going to school and like started talking to like other friends who come from different cultures like that wasn't really ingrained. And that was just it was so weird to me because it's like. I found so much support from these people. Like I would call them my family, even though they're not like related to me at all. Yeah. And I found so much support from these people. Like they've helped to raise me. They've, they've done so many things, um, for, for like the community. Yeah. And I think that should just be more normalized. And yeah. I'm very glad to, to see that that's happening. Um, and it's a tactic that's been used by, uh, labor organizers, um, especially, um, who are, who are trying to build a union. So you can do the same thing in your workplace, um, just by building a community there. And that's essentially what the, what a union is, is being able to organize, um, your workplace, labor organizers, uh, climate organizers, indigenous organizers, um, all sorts of people have been using these tactics and, um, you can see how far, um, it's gotten them. Yeah, they work. Yeah, they work. <laughs> they really do. And you don't even need to talk about like, social justice, you can just be like, Hey, I want to, I want to support you and, and build that. So that's very powerful. I love that. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I have been smiling pretty much the whole time. You're an absolute pleasure. Mm -hmm. And um, I know we're going to see big things from you. So I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. It was great talking to you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of hometown earth as much as I did. 
let us know by rating and subscribing so you never miss an episode. New episodes drop every week on Tuesday. Head to the show notes linked in the episode description for more details. And let us know in the comments what you want to hear next. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts. And you can find more about the podcast on Instagram at Hometown Earth or connect with me personally at Lena Saintford. We all know change needs to happen. So let's get started right here at Hometown Earth. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.